Uh, oh, sure. Uh, make fun of Columbus. Like, you've never gone to the grocery store for spices, gotten lost, and murdered several million people. <laughs> That's pretty funny. In, like, 11th or, 10th or 11th grade, um, we were reading, like, you know, historical documents, and you just read a bunch of stuff. And I can vividly remember reading the part of uh Christopher Columbus's diary where he was like, oh yeah, we, we walked into this village and it was all these, you know, they were just, you know, they were a vibrant economy and, and people, you know, had, you know, full markets and lots of food and uh, beautiful jewelry. And uh, I had my sword, you know, out as you do when you walk through a foreign town because you're conquering it in, in you know, European tradition. Uh, and this little kid was like, oh, metal stick, sweet. And just grabbed the sword. And that's when I realized how easy this was going to be. And when I read that, even then, in my adult 17-year-old mind, I was like, man, that guy sounds like a dick. (laughs) See, I just learned he was Italian. And I was like, yeah, he's shit. Shit person. He's an Italian who worked for the Spanish, okay? That's like... that's three strikes, honestly. No, it is three strikes because one of those strikes is implicitly that the Italians won't work with him. True. Yeah, and True. not only that, there's, and there's like, actually a secret fourth strike of like, hey, you didn't actually discover anything and you stole it from the other dude. But I, my question goes deeper than that in that how does that work? Is it like he's just higher ranking than you and if you say nah, you get killed? Historical tradition, no. bud. It's just cultural all, praxis. All he would do, he, he showed up to the West Indies and he's like, I'm making the meatballs. And then they all died. Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned. Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong. Way down yonder in the Indian nation Ride my pony on the reservation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Now way down yonder in the Indian nation The cowboy's life is my occupation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born I'm Adam Burnett, and this week we've got Carl Roberts and Parker Nelson on the show, and this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We're a small political news podcast broadcasting about left politics in Oklahoma, and we'd like to dedicate this week's show to Oklahoma's indigenous population, uh, as we are recording on Indigenous Peoples Day, as recognized by the uh, city of Oklahoma City, which is uh, is good, because as you heard from our cold open, uh, which was carefully and tightly edited... Um, we're not fans of the gentleman, but anyway, uh, we're going to be moving on uh, this week to uh, discuss uh, some stories in national news. First up, we're going to discuss uh, a report from the IPCC on the state of climate change in the world. And then we're going to discuss a little gentleman named uh, Joe Manchin and how he uh, defected from his party and allowed uh, Brett Kavanaugh to... I almost made an appropriate joke there. Slip and slide his way into the Supreme Court. I'll go with that. Um, And then in Oklahoma news this week, we're going to be talking about the uh, Tulsa race massacre and G.T. Bynum uh, wanting to look into some mass graves related to that. And 
trash trash is trash which i guess will be a surprise story from parker nelson later uh is along with a conservative reading list so um let's jump right in guys shall we so this week a report came out of the united nations scientific panel on climate change uh discussing the well frankly dire picture of the immediate consequences of climate change um, the report, which was issued today, um, on Monday, uh, was by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, uh, and um, basically just described uh, the issues that have been uh, coming with climate change. Um, World-worsening food shortages, wildfires, mass die-off of coral reefs as soon as 2040. Um, scientists described it as quite shocking and concerning um and i i this is like one of the like hardest things i think to talk about because this is such a constantly present story but it's just hard to get around because we're like vastly getting we're like racing every day towards the point in our history where we don't have enough oil to facilitate the major change over to like clean energy sources and uh, that the pollution is going to cause major destabilization of governments as food shortages and water shortages get worse. And we're just going to end up in some sort of Mad Max society, which uh, as everyone on this show knows, I'm looking forward to with each coming day because um, I'm really into large motor vehicles. Um, But... Um, I'm really into just like spraying chrome into my face and then yelling witness me. That's super dope. I'm sorry. Mm, that's cool. Mm, I know that's why you're going to be chained to my front <laughs> bumper. I like just having every um, every word be a single syllable. If we could go back to that. I I would really like that if if like amazingly we could get there within like 2 to 3 years of the government collapsing. Like really hammer home that we live in trash and that we're trash people. And I, I, I haven't seen the new episode of the, yeah. Anymore, Adam. I, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I haven't seen a new episode of the walking dead yet because I I, I'm done. It's over. I hate it. It's awful. I tried so hard and got so far, but it doesn't That's even matter. Gonna be, um, the world's anthem after climate change has destroyed the environment in 12 years. <laughs> I really, we're, I, we're just going to put that on loop in the end. Uh, over like these massive in the afterscape from from these satellites we shoot up as our last civil, civilizational move with these massive loudspeakers that will just blare in the end by Lincoln Park forever over the dying <laughs> graveyard of the planet. I really like that because it'll give a good soundtrack to uh, the like fun combat that'll be going on and like the terrible events that will be happening on the ground because that song bangs. All right. It's not going to be fun combat. It's going to be like the road combat where it's just like extremely malnutritious to people, mal- malnutrition to people like shuffling around, like sadly stabbing at each other while they like, while their kids starve and they're like super excited because they found like a can of dysentery food. 2040 but, folks. Yeah, that's that, that is um, n- not a joke. And like, I, I honestly believe Uh, And it was one of the focal points that really turned me um, 
I, I mean, I know we've talked about it a few times before on the show, but the like kind of events that lead you into believing the things you do. And one of the big ones for me is that uh, around the time uh, Barack Obama was elected the second time, um, I really just kind of got swept up in climate change at the time. And it um, like kind of hammered home for me the fact that we can't all be out this for us or for profit. Like we are bound in this together. Like there, there is no escaping that. And that to come at this from like a profit motive or from like a, yeah, I'm going to, you know, get mines like the, the movie 2012 when they had the boats for the rich people. Mm, that Elon shit don't Musk work. has a lot of money. Oh, Oh, He'll but put he's going to, okay. He, he's going to, I, I see Elon Musk has, has Howard Hughes vibes to me. I really think that dude is going to die in a lab explosion or become a supervillain. Like it, it, there's just nowhere else he for that dude kind to of go. A I mean, yeah, the fo- the flamethrowers thing was um, questionable at best, but I guess uh, Spaceballs the movie did have Spaceballs the flamethrower. This is good branding for your uh, massive infrastructure company. Is um, a flamethrower? Yeah, I can't Great wait branding. for I can't wait for Elon Musk's SpaceX two, the quest for more money. Can't wait for SpaceX two, rich people. Let's get you off the planet while we make Elysium happen in real life. No, because I I actually really <laughs> dig that because like that that's a good dystopian like horror fan fiction to me like all the rich sodded fat people get get whisked away in the spaceship and and they 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 get everything they don't even have a change in lifestyle and then they get to mars and they realize that they did not adequately prepare for life on a uh, foreign planet and then it can just be the breakdown of the the bourgeoisie in isolation because i mean Bam! That's <laughs> socialist great... revolution by like self uh, planet exodus of the rich. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's hot. Okay. Um, and and you know th- th- this is one of those things that it, 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 it's a story that you know, like I said, it's kind of ever present and it's just kind of daunting because there's not a lot of great answers to it. The answer really is pour public money into. Uh, the changeover from oil to uh, renewable resources. It's becoming I mean, a greater reality every day. No, right. it's just... It's, it, it, one, it's, one of the, the Guardian articles that, that you had up as well talked about like the only seeming way to get people on board with these Fortune 500 companies, the majority of which cause all of these greenhouse gas emissions, right, is to frame it in a way that profit motive... You know, or that that um, returns on their investments won't actually be like like we'll we'll continue to get more risky the further we get to this particular tragedy that is an inevitability. So the sooner you get out, the sooner you can diversify your investments and have returns back on it. And if that's the only like logical means of getting these people to like switch over what what is supposed to be happening because i think only like 20 percent of it is in the, the public sector is actually causing with 80 percent of it actually being right that's it's like 71 percent is caused by like private, private institutions yeah. but i mean well, like but i mean private. no no not private like 71 percent is caused by a specific set of 100 companies right, right like not just not private institutions like there are 100 companies that are accountable for 71 percent 
I think one of the greatest lessons. I think one of the greatest lessons of um, socialism, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, but one of the greatest adaptations of socialism is that we really do get to be good students of history. Is that like the, the, this changeover is always framed that way, Parker? Like when the railroads started to not become the obvious form of future transportation. I mean, you know the story as well as I. The Texas Railroad Commission swapped over and ruled, and it was the Texas Railroad Commission that decided where oil pipelines went for a very long time. And those same families were the same ones who ran the Railroad Commission, and then they were the same ones who were the oil barons. And guess what? They're the same ones that are going to, when the infrastructure change comes, they're the same ones that are going to have the in on the, and, and like, while I agree, like, or, um, I, 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 those statistics were different, but like, the, the, major infrastructure change is going to have to come with government contracts and it's going to be the same people who get those contracts they're just going to change their money over i mean the 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 economy is it's the greatest fallacy of capitalism the economy is designed so that the rich don't lose they never lose anything only the poor i I very much understand that but in order of like motivating i was just mentioning you know what i mean motivating that particular change because i mean from in our lifetime the entirety of the time we've engaged in politics right maybe a decade right has there been any sort of transitory like move especially with trump like did like pulling out of the paris climate change and like having scientists from over what 60 some odd countries review this particular like piece of like this particular report and being like yo um yeah this is gonna fucking happen and uh, they're like the most of the global response being like oh wait in the report you said like that uh we can like reverse some of the effects so we don't have to start immediately lol let's do that no the global response has been that old guy you know that says guess i'll die nah that's been the whole global response she's like guess i'll die yeah, I love I love Europe's grandstanding when they're responsible for nothing, and China's just like casually being, you know, casually murdering dolphins with uh, soda six pack container rings. <laughs> I mean, when people start, you know, when the Earth becomes uninhabitable, what within the next twenty years, and people start, I, I just can't wait to see how high the wall gets built. When well, we start we, having we, like 10 million people migrating. The wall's built, bro. Raven Rock we, we, exists. There is a hollow mountain next to Washington, D.C. And trust me, we, you ain't getting in there. We already know what happens when climate change causes refugee flows into the rich parts of the world. It's called the Syrian refugee crisis. Uh, the Syrian civil war is directly related to climate change in desertification. Uh, the, the Tigris and the Euphrates uh, Valley in northeastern syria and uh what happens is you take the mediterranean and turn it into a graveyard instead of uh an ocean uh and that's cool but that's see- really really cool it's it's awesome i'm really excited for that though i do okay there actually is like a super cool silver lining uh from this ipcc report and it's that all these old demonic people that should just be shot into the sun and we should like pee after them into space um, they're going to have to live with climate change too. So that, that's, that's the silver lining. That's, that's a good silver that? lining. Uh, the bourgeoisie is insulated. I'm trying to find anything of value here. And whenever like fucking 60 year old, 
boomer the, judd that here, voted here, for trump here's, because like the liberals heard his fifis but he's not a snowflake for some reason here's the thing um dies of heat stroke in his suburban because the ac stops working and he's halfway to work on the highway and it's like 120 uh, degrees outside and has been for three days like i'm i mean okay that's not even gonna cool, be a joke though because like it, it is going to like i think we even ran a story before on how once like the actual effects of climate change start up which it isn't going to necessarily affect us as much but i mean old people or people are are really really vulnerable to the effects of climate change and they will all die like assuming that we can't you know do things like regulate temperature effectively or you know ever let them outside you know those types of things like i said i'm just stoked for mad max um that movie was super cool. Love Tom Hardy. I hope I get to be his friend in the apocalypse. And um, those guys with the waterfall seemed like jerks. But apart from that... Um, no, they didn't. They were cool. They did drugs. Doing yeah, drugs doesn't make you cool, Carl. I, I just want to give everyone... I yeah, they did, dare they to did resist drugs and alcohol. Dare to resist drugs and alcohol, Okay. Yeah, it was some weird, like, combination of, like, ether, spray paint, and a fucking asthma inhaler, because I don't know how you'd be breathing anything after. No, they were actually. What I'm surprised is that Charlie Day survived, multiplied, and thrived in the climate apocalypse. (laughs) I'm just amazed. I'm not surprised at all. I was actually (laughs) thinking about doing the Wade's Bog Challenge for Halloween. (laughs) Hey, Beth Hug. <laughs> oh, actually I, I i had some some interesting climate stuff i was reading today i was reading some history of of, of oklahoma and the left in oklahoma and in 1895 enid's newspaper was complaining about how capitalism was driving climate change that was going to cause something like the dust bowl and it was like man it's super cool that we get to do this again except this time we all die instead of move to california and Maybe. the cops are racist towards us that's cool. Really happy about that. I, 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 I'm excited. I, I just, I really hope, you know, I've been running a lot of simulations on Fallout, and I think I'm going to be prepared. I really do. You're like one of those gamers that thinks the zombie apocalypse is real. I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate no, you so no, much. I, go, back to your, go back to your raccoon hole in, in, in Grand Lake. Bro... I can't reveal my plans, but safe to say, I'll have electricity while y'all raws and got raw. Moving you on. Just to the turn next that story. into mono, monosyllabic sounds. God damn it. Uh, next story. Yes, yes. The next story. Um, I just wanted to. I, we're not. We're, we're not gonna really talk about Kavanaugh again. Um, cause fuck actually talking about it. I just uh, want to talk I about just, something. Can, can I, can, hold on, hold on. Can I love you one complaint? I just want everyone to understand. I've been going back and reading Kavanaugh opinions because unfortunately due to my occupation, I have to become acquainted with the man. And let me tell you, I hated reading what Scalia had to say. I did not enjoy reading Neil Gorsuch's, uh, opinions. Uh, and guess what? Kavanaugh is uh, also trash, and so um, not looking forward to spending the next thirty years having to read opinions that affect my job uh, from this <clears throat> justice. 
<laughs> See, I my only comment is going to be that I too am going to attempt to cry my way through my next job interview, which should hopefully be soon. Just yell about and how I'll much. Let you, I'll, I'll, I'll let y'all know how how that goes. Just yell about how much uh, you like beer, bro. Just like <clears throat> it always works at a job, dude. Interview. If but they say anything not, to you, go... just immediately with the beer stuff. Trust me. That's not. Let's not go too into it on the Kavanaugh, because that's not exactly what I want to talk about, other than it was probably the worst Saturday for anybody who has moral standards and cares about politics and OU football. That 30 minutes there was extremely rough, very rough for me. I almost jumped out of a car. Terrible time to go from that loss to Texas to... I don't actually... We're not talking about that. No, move on, move okay, on, move on. Uh-uh, done. Well, Mike Stoops got fired. I don't, so now, I don't want to talk about... Uh, no, now no. Mike Kavanaugh's going to have to get fired. It's, it's the only thing that makes narrative sense. You know, okay. It doesn't make uh, any narrative sense. There's no justice about, in this planet. Just keep going. What I wanted to talk about is what everybody was saying on social media right after it happened. Everybody's like, oh my God, this is so terrible. Holy shit, this is, you know, super painful. Oh my God. And I was like, yeah, I totally feel that. It really is. It's like really, really rough to deal with. It's crazy. And then everybody was saying at the end of all their bullshit, well, not bullshit, of their, of their real opinions that are valid and I respect and that I was also feeling, everybody said this bullshit. Everybody just would say like, vote. With a period, you know, like voting will save it. Voting will voting will make this work. Voting would have kept this from happening. And if you're friends with me on Facebook, you saw I posted a super long diatribe about it because I was just insanely mad. Um, and the reason I want to talk about that is this this dude named Joe Manchin. To start, that's not a people name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Someone misspelled Munchkin and made it a name. Um, but if you don't know who Joe Manchin is, Joe Manchin is a Democratic senator from West Virginia. <clears throat> now, what he did on Saturday is be the vote that got Kavanaugh confirmed. So on Saturday... I just want to confirm for everyone that yes. he is um, a human being inside, a, or a human being costume over something else. I can't exactly pinpoint which form of... Light creature, reptile, <laughs> mothman, um, skin He's definitely a mothman. I'm going to go with mothman. You're going to uh, go with mothman? Him. You really want to yeah. give him that credit because I'll be honest, uh, I don't see his attraction to lamps as much as you might think. And and really, that is That's actually why big... you voted for Kavanaugh is there was a lamp uh, next to the yes button that was turned on. And so that like, and he filling it. Um, to be fair, that could have been um, a mistake that Manchin made. <clears throat> It could have, um, but it's not. No, he, he purposefully voted for Kavanaugh. And in context, there's a lot of shit we could say about the Democrats, about how they did a terrible job. But in context, on Saturday, because Lisa Murkowski was not going to vote yes for Kavanaugh, and another Republican senator had to go to his daughter's wedding because he only went, he's a human Only being. went because Murkowski voted present. Yes. Um, they could have they blocked it. They could have just said, fuck you. Um, and if... He, if Manchin hadn't voted, um, they wouldn't have been able to do it because that guy would have been at the wedding. He said very expressly the whole time, I'm not fucking showing up for this vote. So they could have blocked it at least for the weekend. Um, but if you think it's cool that Joe Manchin, a Democrat, voted for Kavanaugh, there's some other cool stuff. Uh, back in 2016, really Joe quickly, Manchin, Really quickly, before you jump into this, I think one of the best contextual um, components of this is that Manchin... Manchin's district was won by Trump by 60%. He's terrified of losing his seat. He's probably going to. No, he's probably not. He he carried it very handily uh, last time he was elected. Six years ago. He, he's, 
Yeah, but he's been he's been representing it for a long time. He's been perfectly good. He's still uh, up in the polls I think, by I think a healthy this amount. Vote, we'll probably he'll probably he might be better um, after this vote. But I I just no, I think that one of the go- better can polling is winning anyways. Well, but we're okay. not there yet, Adam. We're not there yet. Um, back in 2016, uh, Mansion backed Jim Justice for governor. Uh, Jim Justice is West Virginia's. If I'm recalling correctly, he's the state's only billionaire, and he owes, like, millions in back taxes to the state, and he's just saying, I'm not going to fucking pay them. Uh, he's been doing that for years. Um, after he got elected, he switched from being a Democrat to a Republican. So that that's Joe Manchin. That's what Joe Manchin supports. Um, another thing Joe Manchin supports, uh, during his last election, uh, rather during this election, he got primaried from the left by, um, by a pretty cool progressive candidate. Um... He told that candidate when she asked him explicitly, do you think West Virginians have a right to clean air and clean water and a clean environment, that he would have to agree to disagree with her on that topic? Like, that's a softball question. You could just say yes to that and then just not do it. He couldn't even do that. If you don't think that's bad enough, the DCCC, the organization, the slush fund for the Democratic Party that uh, keeps people in power who are currently in power backed him to beat her. And so the reason he won that primary partially is because they just dumped millions of dollars into beating a beating a progressive. So that's cool. Um, that's cool. But like, you know, uh, uh, to, to be fair. And like, I know that we do shit on Democrats, but don't try to too hard, but that's like no, 80% of what the DCCC right does is just like they don't they don't really win progressive races. They don't really win close no, conservative races. They they beat progressives who are rising. They 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 back centrists so that progressives can't do anything. Um which is great. It's super cool. But we're going to get to that too. Um another background before we, we, we talk about his specific vote on Kavanaugh, um, do you want to know how often Joe Manchin votes in line with uh, Donald Trump's agenda? Uh, every, 61% every t- of the time. Oh, I was say 61% time. of the time. In fact, there are three other Democrats, so four out of the 49 in the Senate, that vote with Trump more than 50% of the time. So that's cool. It's really, really cool that when you vote for a Democrat, you get people who support Trump as a general rule. More often than they don't. That's really cool. But, you you know, one, one of the other really cool things is that you, you would think the DNC under Tom Perez would say, eh, Kavanaugh, that's a bright line for us. We're not going to let you vote for Kavanaugh and keep receiving funding uh, from us. In fact, we're going to try to fight you um, because, you know, <laughs> the fact that Kavanaugh got elected means that for 30 years, unless the Democrats do something pretty radical, which they should 100 percent do, uh, conservatives will just decide the legal course of this country and any uh, any agenda whatsoever the Democrats pass will just be shot down by the court. That's cool. Um, but what they actually what they actually decided to do is that they're just going to keep supporting Democrats who vote for Kavanaugh. Um, that's cool. Tom Perez came out and said that expressly. He said, no, if, if, if Manchin decides to vote for Kavanaugh, we're not going to pull our support. We're not going to say somebody else should run against him. We're going to say, but he's a Democrat. He deserves to win. Um, and I'm just curious, like, like, I don't know how you all feel when people tell you to go vote, but there's something to me that when I think about it in the state of Oklahoma, if we had a Democratic senator, we would have a Joe Manchin. And when people say, oh, you should go vote, that would change it, that would change it if we elect the right people. I'm just kidding. Like, if you're going to tell me I need to go vote, 
for these kinds of people. Like, can we at least expect that 49% of the time is the, the, the limit for how much they can vote in line with Trump? Or can we, can we at least ask them to not vote for someone who's credibly accused of sexual assault who, who will radically change the face of American law for the entirety of my life. Maybe you all think that's a fair, I don't know if that's a fair thing. So I don't know. I, 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 think I, I have, don't know. I think I have, I have, I have two things on that one. Like obviously, yeah. Like we, if you elect someone, they shouldn't do, you know, those things. Secondly, I'm always dubious of those statistics just because there are, you know, Lots of procedural bills that, you know, who knows if it's, you know, if it just happened to be actually good for his, you know, area. Because right. those things can happen. Like but, just, but, 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 but. Blatantly refuting something without actually reading it as well is not really something that I can support. But I mean, yeah. It, yeah. there's also the flip side of the coin, which is that you can pretty much guess. And if there's any inclination that it's going to be a part of his horse shit, which, I mean, is blatantly obvious if you read the first fucking page of the bill, then yeah, I mean, you yeah. might have a legitimate yeah. point. But yeah. and without, so, without and actually, so, blanketly refusing it, I can't actually stand behind. Yeah. And so, and, and. And but one of the things I, I and this is just from from personal experience, but I abstained in the last presidential election, and like we had some discussions about it, and like it's something I get a lot of shit for from people, especially progressives. It's like, oh my god, how could you have not voted against a Donald Trump? And like, voting against someone is not a reason to vote for someone. And like, I honestly right. struggled with it quite a bit. Like, I considered Gary Johnson, and I considered Jill Stein. And eventually chose that I just there wasn't a candidate for me there. There wasn't anyone who honestly was saying the things that I needed to hear, which is that we'd stop foreign military operations. And that's something I look for very hard because it's something directly in the purview of the president. And guess what? They all agreed that they would be plenty happy to continue doing waging war in the Middle East. And so. And like people give me shit, but it's just like I've thought about it. If I was in a swing district somewhere where it really, really mattered, I might have. But I'm not. I'm in Oklahoma. Right. And she didn't do nearly enough to garner my vote. Neither did Jill Stein or Gary Johnson. And certainly right. not well, Donald Trump. King that's that's a big contextual element that like a lot of like e extremely liberal people leave out is that they're very much so uh, like – addicted to jerking off to the fact that you know if we would just vote we could literally change the system to be anything and that that's where your responsibility lies wherein they ignore a lot of contextual elements that is like oh well i mean voting where i am doesn't actually matter unless you know just for the mere fact that it's culturally embedded what what people vote for here when it's not like issue voting like especially with uh, it just ignoring these sort of political like 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 apparent structures that our government has and the normal means in which we'd go through to change them and how likely that is even like how likely even, that would even, be in maintaining these types of power relations to begin with well this is a, this is a, this is the thing for me that is specific about it because I, I also abstained in the presidential election and and I'm going to I'm going to say at the end of the episode this week go register to vote and vote at least on state questions you could do that that's fine but specifically this injunction that everybody all these liberals say about like oh you know this happened because people people didn't vote or something no 3 million more people voted for for Hillary Clinton and she would have picked some ghoul like Merrick Garland who's also a piece of shit but at least wasn't you know Number one, a credibly accused 
sexual assaulter, and number two, someone who will make a decision that's like, actually, if a woman gets an abortion, you, she should be thrown into the Marianas Trench or like a, a volcano in Hawaii, right? Like, no, it's not. But, oh, that's the thing. Like, that, I, mean, like, I know you're good, kidding. But the thing is, yeah, the, keep going. I'm not. I'm not actually getting that much. I would not be surprised if they're like, well, no, abortion is illegal, and there should be criminal punishment for it. Well, no, but that's the um, thing is, and and like, I, I know you know this, and I'm, uh, but like, that's the thing is that like, reading Roe versus Wade, which I had to do, and like had to study it pretty extensively, but like how that actually works is that they go after the doctors, not the patients. And so what happens is, is they make no doctors and then they make this terrible system where these women have to go to a doctor or a veterinarian or abortions mm. at the same rate and are in way that's it's way more dangerous and they're a lot more likely to die and it's just worse for everybody. But but that's not, that's not the point I I I want to make is that this damn injunction of, oh, you need to go vote. If you just take a second and you look at the state of Oklahoma and you ask yourself seriously, how would the person who's going to run against Germbel Turnbull Inhofe in 2020, how would that person vote on Kavanaugh? And you look, and you look at the person who is most comparable to whichever senator we, we would elect, and the answer is, and the answer of who the party would support is somebody like Joe Manchin. And so when people say, oh, no, if you just got and voted, number one, it didn't. It didn't work. It didn't work. And number two, if by some magic alchemy we had elected some senator in, um, what, 2014, I think, was when Langford got elected? No, 2014 was when Inhofe got elected. So it would have been 2016, I think, when Langford got elected. Um, but that's unimportant. It doesn't really matter. Um, if we had had one, they would have done the same thing. And so when people say go vote, you need to tell them straight to their face, tell me why I should vote when the party will put its full weight behind a Joe Manchin. When the party will put its weight behind a Joe Manchin, when the choice is between Joe Manchin and somebody who won't vote for the sexual assaulter Supreme Court justice nominee. Like, like you should tell them that because I'm sorry, it's bullshit now. It's, no one can say that to you. No one can hold that shame over you. And you should tell them, no, you should be ashamed for telling me to do that because it didn't work. It won't work, and it's not going to save you. It's not going to make it better for you. We have to change it in a different way. It's just, it, it, it makes me so mad that the reason he is on the Supreme Court now is because of a Democrat with the, the support of the party. And, well, and you should tell that to every single liberal that tells you that horseshit that, oh, if you voted, it would be different. No, tell them, you go fuck yourself. You have to get I on mean, my side. To be to be real right here, right? I, I don't even know if that would register past because they, they fundamentally believe that having social differences, right, and not economic differences, like, is actually meaningful um, in distinguishing between the two parties. So, I mean, I think we're already – for anybody who are – I, I mean, yeah, but that's my point. Is that we're already we're already living in two different worlds. In which case, that like one, no, but that's, one is more significant than the other. But I I just don't. That that's where. Uh, I, I but that's that's the point to me. That's why it works. Is because you say even even on this, which should have been the easiest thing in the world, the easiest thing in the world is just like you know what? No, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna be the guy who you know if 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 his vote hadn't had mattered. And Kavanaugh was going to get uh, appointed anyways on Saturday. I would still feel this way about it, but it would be less bad. But his vote literally is what put him on the court on that day. And if, if, if we can't even meet that standard, 
then then why? Why should anyone go vote? And that's what you should tell them because you should tell them no, it's not the D's not enough. I'm sorry. But, but do the, the but little do still D go next vote. to the name is no, of course. And, and like I said, I, I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say you have to register by Friday. State questions are nonpartisan and generally speaking are a good thing to vote on and very important. And uh, I, well, I, very effective, I, I, actually. And, and, and I know that Carl said this too, but I, 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 I abstain from the presidential. That doesn't mean I didn't vote. I, I just didn't vote for president. I voted for yeah, everything I took, else. I took my ballot. I, yeah. I did the other stuff. I did my research. Um, but what you have to say is you have to say to these people that are like, oh, we can fix it. But no, you have to say, no, you need to be honest. You need to stop living in your fantasy world where this solves your problems. Because we can't even trust the supposed opposition party to do the very bare minimum, like the, the, the most basic stuff, you know, like literally just like, like choosing between like shove my face in a pile of shit and don't. Well, I, I think and I think we've got. To tell them that. I, I think we've got you suitably worked up to move us <laughs> yes, on to uh, our <laughs> Oklahoma news, and so I think you're go. on a good roll. We're two here. I, Carl's got the Joe Manchin. I got traffic. What do you need, Adam? We got to get you something. He was already talking about lizards. We don't That's need true. that. That's true. We don't need that. Jk. Stay, he might. He Parker. might be a Pleiadian-like creature. I haven't ruled that out. I actually think there's a great, a great light creature conspiracy going on right now that is really flying under the radar. I'll be completely honest. Encyclopedia Pleiades, guys. It's it's big. You got to go out there and you got to do your own research. Okay. Don't believe what you hear in the mainstream media. Don't believe what you hear on our podcast. Don't believe what you hear anywhere. Okay. Take it directly from the source. And I say, and what Steven says, but don't believe. No. They're out moving there, guys. on, moving on to Oklahoma news. Uh, the they are out there, there, just just not in the way that Adam means. Um, you don't know that. Mayor, prove it. Uh, I'm going to talk about how we can prove it. Uh, if we're talking about mass graves from the 1921 Tulsa race massacre, so um, on Monday, October 2nd, after a really dope long form from the Washington Post, uh, GT Bynum came out and said, "Hey." Um, we should maybe follow up on the leads we have from the uh, 2001 State Commission report on the Tulsa Race Massacre and see if there are actually mass graves in town. Um, so what he's going to do, because uh, he's been thinking about this apparently for about six years, he's, he's talked with it with some people, um, and with specifically with the state archaeologist uh, in 2012 about the work that they did in 1998 and 1999 to see if there were any mass graves. Um, and he's going to fund and look at if there are some graves in the three places that the state commission marked as the most likely, right? Now, what's important about these three places, um, they're Oaklawn Cemetery, which is the cemetery on 11th next to the IDL. It's like in between Peoria and 11th. Um, in between, rather, Peoria and the IDL north of 11th in Tulsa, um, which is Oakland Cemetery. Then Rolling Oaks Memorial Gardens, which used to be called Booker T. Washington Cemetery, which is uh, out south near 91st and Harvard um, and is where an old black town used to be. And then New Block Park, which is uh, just under Crosby Heights, uh, west of the IDL in Tulsa. Um, and the reason I want to look at this is something that's actually... <laughs> I don't know, kind of ridiculous. I didn't know about this before this news story came out, and I was, like, reading into it. Um, 
And so, if you read the state commission report on on the Tulsa Race Massacre, um, they did research into these three places. And while they were doing research, they heard from an eyewitness that uh, this guy who was alive at the time of the race massacre saw people digging a trench in Oakland Cemetery and saw crates full of dead black people, right? And so they were like, oh, shit. Probably a mass grave there, and there were a bunch of there were a bunch of eyewitness reports also about the other two places, and also that bodies were getting dumped into the river, and maybe that there were some other places, but they were like these are the three places that we could do it easiest. So when they looked at Oakland Cemetery, and they brought the eyewitness, he pointed out the part of the cemetery where he's like, this is where it is. They found some anomalies that looked exactly like a mass grave, right? It's like a ditch with something that they couldn't tell what it was in the inside the ditch, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then the mayor blocked excavation because somebody came out after they like said this and said, oh, no, there's uh, some white people buried there. You can't disturb their graves. That would be wrong. And so they just left it. They were just like, oh, OK, oops, guess we can't do it. The political world dried up and the money went away. Um, they also found at New Block Park a place that they were like, this could be a mass grave. It could also be the foundation of a building that used to be in the park. We're not sure about it. And then at Booker T. Washington Cemetery, that was the place where it was least likely. They were like, we can't really see well enough. And, uh, but it, there are a couple spots that we should investigate more. And then in all three, when they were like, there are spots that could conceivably be mass graves. And there's also more parts of the cemeteries we need to look at, or the cemeteries in the park we need to look at to see if there are, ma- are mass graves. So 100%, there definitely could be mass graves here. And we just didn't do it. Um which boggles my mind. Like reading that part of the report just was was really ridiculous to, to read these guys. This dude, Bob Brooks, who is a state archaeologist, like reports at The Hague regularly about war crimes. Like he found mass graves in Sarajevo. He found some other mass graves, I think, from the Armenian genocide. But don't quote me on that. And like don't quote we, you on your own podcast. What don't is quote me on that. I'm not entirely sure. He there was another one that was like a, a historical thing that had happened. In, You're being like, quoted. A it's an genocide. audio format. Um, no, I'm saying don't quote <laughs> me on like, specific this. information. Um, don't clip he, anything. He I'm looked, not cutting a thing. This is never. We don't <laughs> edit the show. We don't edit. Don't we don't edit. Um, no, what I mean is that Bob Brooks had also, or, or one of the archaeologists on the team had also looked at like. Uh, mass graves from like a his- something that was historical rather than like recent and had found them. So like, this is a, this was a guy who does this. This is his job. And he said in all three cases that they, they, they could not um, definitively say there were mass graves, but at best they could not rule out that there were no mass graves, right? They couldn't come out and say there aren't mass graves here. They could just say, we didn't find them. Also, we found stuff that definitely could be mass graves and now we can't do the work to find it. Um, this is really mind-boggling to me, and, and and the reason I wanted to do it is because like this is objectively a good thing that GT Bynum is going to do this. Um, I'm really angry about some other stuff. He doesn't want to make the city's examination of the grave sites public unless they do in fact find mass graves, which is really problematic because there are also eyewitness reports from New Block Park that when they destroyed the old city water treatment facility there, that a bunch of bodies got moved and uh, nobody knows where they are and the city covered it up. So it's like, he should be open about the entire thing, I think. But the fact that he's like, we have to confront this is a really big deal. Um, I've spent time in New Block Park. I didn't know about this when I was in high school and we would like hang out there, like Steven and I and some other friends of ours would hang out there. And 
it's really disturbing to find out that I might have been hanging out um, on the mass grave from America's worst race massacre. Like, that's that's terribly disturbing. And there's no way we're going to be able to get past one of the most egregious acts of, like, bald-faced racism in American history if we don't look into this. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm really proud of GT Bynum. I'm very happy about Tulsa that it's actually something that might happen, that we might find out if... If there are mass graves here, I don't know. It's something that's good, even if the the thing it's about is is one of the darkest moments in American history. That's my take. That's my two cents. Well, I appreciate your two cents. And now we're going to move on to Mr. Nelson and his Oklahoma story. Oh, so great. This is actually a really good one I found while stuck in traffic earlier. Uh, Firstly... A, nobody really knows who's behind this, but they have some suspicions, and it has to do with the GOP House leaders um, act, uh, actively participating in a plan to take down several hardline Republicans in the Oklahoma legislature. Um, basically, I want to start off by saying um, this was described as a move that went far beyond what former President Ronald Reagan once called the 11th Commandment, um, never to speak ill of a fellow Republican. Which is great. I mean, I think we're com- completely doing that. But anyway, a dark money federal super PAC uh, based in uh, Virginia spent nearly 750000 launching a parallel attack against several of the same Republicans within Oklahoma. Uh, some of them in Ohio in terms of uh, election coverage, but most of them here in Oklahoma, which I think is great. Uh, the Conservative Alliance uh, PAC. Uh, which can raise and spend unlimited sums of money without disclosing its individual donors, targeted several of these House Republicans um, with mailers, radio ads, and other attack ads. Uh, I want to point out specifically um, Representative uh, George Fott, who was a 10-year Muskogee Republican, was targeted with a mailer that featured him with a long Pinocchio nose. What? What? The long Pinocchio nose? I want to find it and use it as our thumbnail, kind of. That'd be hard. But, but um, as you all know, Republicans, dude, you can find it. You can find it. I promise. Look for no, it. No, I believe. But as you all know, uh, Republicans have been steamrolling Democrats in elections for decades, um, racking up supermajorities in both legislative chambers. Not decades. Literally not decades. Literally not decades. They have not controlled the state Senate for a decade at this point in state history. Very important note. It's it's extremely brand new that they've done that. Uh, that is literally like ten years or less. Just want to let everybody know. Okay, don't quote me on this, Carl. That one you can actually quote me on. <laughs> <laughs> they've been, regardless within the within the last decade. How's that? Yeah, that works fine. That's good. Uh, they've been racking up super majorities in both legislative chambers and laying claim to the entire congressional delegation um, in every statewide elected office. Uh, most of these that got ousted were anti-tax conservatives uh, that even supported rolling back the teacher pay raise. And the last straw came when some of the Republican hardliners called publicly for more conservative challengers to run for office. Now, they interviewed some people on this story, um, one of them being um, Representative Chris Kennedy, um, a House floor leader and chairman of the Powerful Judiciary Committee. Um, he acknowledged helping launch the attack on his own colleagues. He refused to name individuals whom he met, but he said there was a broad coalition interested in taking out the caucus, more conservative members, uh, a group that referred to itself as the Platform Caucus. Such a dumb name. Like, the Platform. What the fuck? God. 
Right. Uh, he said he acted separately from House leaders and he did not discuss his plans with his fellow colleagues. Uh, but he also said he didn't know who was behind the Alliance PAC or who the donors were. But campaign finance records say otherwise, Kennedy. He gave 500 to Tulsa Republican Jeff Boatman, who was running against Scott, Mc, uh, Scott McGeek. How do I say that? Scott McEachin? Is that how you, Carl? You're a Tulsa. McEachin? I don't know this guy. Well, know. Yeah, he's yeah, not, he's not mine. Mine are Hanky and Stanislavski. So I don't know this ah. dude. Uh, 2000 to Stan May, who's a broken air uh, Republican running against, uh, yeah, Mike Ritz. Ritza, so, uh, that one's Ritza. I'm pretty sure Ritza. about that. So both of them were defeated, uh, along with six other GOP incumbents who had voted against the leadership's plans to raise taxes on cigarettes, motor fuel, and oil and gas, which we've covered extensively uh, for the Terry's and T-shirts. Yeah. Taxization uh, is theft. <laughs> Ritza, a five-term incumbent, uh, best known for his uh, you know, anti-immigration rhetoric, uh, personally Hot. financing the Ten Commandment Monument at the Capitol. Hot. You know, like... The great, the greatest things that you could be known for in Oklahoma. Um, he was accused of wearing military medals he did not earn. Hot. And it's, oh, not shit, illegal. Valor. it's not illegal. <laughs> it's not illegal. It's not illegal. And his well, we, what might be illegal is the the libel lawsuits that are coming out of that, out of the flyers, the radio ads, and, and mailers that were sent out with that in it. Um, and the dude might who be read illegal. Um, West, who was the Republican who defeated him, and Kennedy both used the same Oklahoma-based consultant, Campaign Advocacy Management Professionals, LLC, uh, to produce these mailers and campaign attacks on the GOP incumbents. Another guy um, named, whose name really, really, like, his name's Fount Holland. I don't know if that's real. F-O-U-N-T. That's uh, such okay. a, like, a Republican name, you know? Oh, like, yeah. It's just like, this is, this is not a people name. This is like, if you put, this is not, like one... Uh, when Nintendo made that baseball game in the 1980s and they tried to come up with American-sounding names, and it's just, like, a little bit off. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm, um, I, I'm a really big fan of the idea that, you know, we can, you know, essentially make up names ad infinitum. And so I Wait. really... Yeah? <laughs> yeah? But, but did you see this, this other guy's name, the guy who used to work with Fount Holland? Let me let me check a crack at it before I even look. Cornglad McFlatten. It's Trabor Worthen. Oh my god, I was close. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That was pretty Oh wow. Yeah, so so Fountain Holland, uh, a longtime GOP political consultant in Oklahoma, um, acknowledged he did some work on the mailers for the Super PAC, but downplayed the suggestion that House leadership was behind the effort, saying he worked against two incumbents for an organization and was happy to do it. But I don't know who it was. Um, Holland's former partner, like he just said, Trebor Worthen, um, whose clients included House Speaker McCall, um, acknowledged students in campaign work for the Super PAC against the GOP incumbents. He also said he didn't know who was behind the attack. He did say the hardliners who were targeted in GOP primaries made a lot of enemies by opposing efforts by businesses and political leaders to pass the tax hike to help fund teacher raises. So... It's not clear at all as to how, who ousted these people, how they ousted them, but it's fucking hilarious that it happened nonetheless. Wow. I honestly, I think, like, in comparison to what we were talking about with Joe Manchin before, it's just one of those things, like, Republicans actually know how politics work. They have the shittiest policies in the world. It's true. Objectively, they're far and away the worst main, like, mainstream party in any country in any like quote-unquote developed country you know post-industrial economy mm -hmm. but they fucking know how uh, politics uh, work. alternative they said, for deutschland you all, you all 
Okay, the AfD is just Republicans for Germany. Like, that's genuinely <laughs> all it is. Uh, that's not even a joke. They, they kind of map really well together. It's that's really scary. That's, that's fucked um, up, man. I think you might go to jail for that. No, I won't, because it's true. They like Republicans, and Republicans tend to like them. There was a big scandal with the, the Alternativa für Deutschland, the AfD, um, when uh, Trump's new, because he left the 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 ambassadorship to Germany open for a while, when his new, the newly appointed ambassador came in and said he would explicitly support the AfD. So it's not a joke to call them the Republicans of Germany. It's actually like accurate from the viewpoint of Republicans. But the the thing about this story is like Joe Manchin just voted all the time against democratic policy interests and the party throws the full weight behind him. These fucking right. shit bags in the Oklahoma state legislature got hundreds of thousands of dollars dumped against them because they didn't tow the party line. Like, it's not only that they didn't tow the party line, dude. It went one step further than that. They were like, okay, so we're going to clean house from these fuckers. Okay. Yeah, because, yeah. because they're too Republican, we understand how far our ideology needs to extend. And, and from that... How we're it's not even is through a list of mailers with Pinocchio noses and claiming people wearing medals they don't earn. Like, but that's but that, I mean that's the thing is they're like we don't give a shit. We want to see our policy agenda enacted, and you got in our way, and we will hunt you down like like right. a deer on October first because hunter season hunting season just opened. I want that in the Democrats. I'm sorry. Democratic like pissants, please take note. Yeah, I would like to see Tom Perez be like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to uh, Photoshop Joe Manchin's face onto uh, Ted Cruz's so we can make that tweet where Ted Cruz was looking at porn and the one where Joe Manchin was. And maybe that'll help us win. Who, who, who gives a shit? We don't care. We just want him gone. He fucked yeah. with us. And now we kill him. <laughs> I just, and that's what, I, it is what they should be doing. That's good politics. I mean, it doesn't seem well. Well, <laughs> it's it's necessary politics. Let's 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 say. Well, that. yeah, but it's also, it's the politics you do to enact your policy agenda, and at the end of the day, that's the only reason it's clearly, to do politics. Yeah, not up to par with what the Republicans are doing to their own party. I don't understand, like what strategy we can get behind with the Democratic Party in traditional politics if these types of like actions that the Republican Party are taking against their own party to oust the people they disagree with, if, if we aren't using them even in the general elections of our own, like supporting our own party members against people we disagree with. You know what I mean? So how, how, how do we, and, and taking what you said before, like further, right, Carl, how, how do we get behind particular candidates? You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like Republicans are out here saying we will do scorched earth on anybody that doesn't tow the party line, and Democrats are like, "Haha, we'll fund you if you spit in our face." If you promise like, to have the D next to your name. Yeah, it's like if you just are a Democrat, that's all it takes. Just say you're a Democrat. You can even switch sides afterwards. That's fine. We don't give a shit. Just have the D next to your name on the ballot. I will support you. You can oppose our policy agenda as long as you have the D. It's just like okay. One of but these dude, groups is is actually a political organization, and the other one is a a feel good club for uh, rich suburbanites that don't like that Trump is stupid. Sorry, right, but I mean, I mean, like, right, I'm asking for a feasible solution, right? Like, w with how our government is structured, no third party is ever going to emerge. But how do we ditch these jackasses in the Democratic Party, right? I don't know. I, I don't I know think, how to I do think, it anymore. I, no, I I have a, I have a foolproof plan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. God. 
Don't worry. Um, so what we need to do is somehow so, so infiltrate... Keeping their AC on forcibly is not an actual strategy because no. lizards need heat. I, I understand, Adam. That's not what I'm asking. <laughs> but okay, what I'm saying is what we need to do... Can't, you know, take their heaters away. What we need to do is... Uh-huh. Never mind. Never mind. No, <laughs> my feelings are hurt now. No, no, come on, Adam. Tell us. Come on. Don't be a snowflake. I forgot. Right. <laughs> okay. Moving on. <laughs> um, this week, guys, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, um, this is going to be an interesting conservative reading list. I, I decided to go on a bit of a different angle, and I want to see if you all the can one pick thing up I on didn't the read. angle. Oh, can we mention something really quickly before we start the what? conservative what? reading list? No. Um, the Oklahoman was sold to a new company from someplace I don't even fucking remember. I, I read the article. I put it in the thing. I think I put it in the thing. Maybe I just mentioned it. Uh, but the Oklahoman has new owners. They're replacing da, 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 their primary editor. And so we might be getting new people on the Oklahoman editorial board. Oh, now. Hell, yeah. How we get articles from. I just wanted to give a shout out to you, Oklahoman. We will never forget about you and all of your editors that you're firing. And we will relish in your new editorial board's garbage. No, say say like it is. We caused this. Our 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 campaign of hatred and sabotage ended the career of the primary editor at the Oklahoma. I take full credit. I Please. take full credit. I'm also, putting it on my resume. Shit, I mailed to them. Work. Oh. Okay. God. God damn it. <laughs> That's an admission. Uh, <laughs> Please do not cut that. I wanted my part to be left. You really have to, leave have to say the poop. Okay. Conservative reading yes. list. Go ahead. Yes, conservative reading list. I want to. I want to see. It's from the Tulsa um, World. Have we? We yeah, have not had. World. We haven't had no. any Tulsa World reading lists. We haven't uh, because I you can't access the Tulsa World in Europe, and now that I'm on the free side of the Atlantic, I can access it again. <laughs> um, and, and this one, this one is is one that I think is actually um, it's like a low key. It's low-key, but I kind of hate it a lot more than some of the more obvious ones. Like when the Oklahoman is just like, actually, uh, we should shoot teachers that ask for pay raises. It's like, okay, obviously that's uh, angry. Um, but this one this one, this one, one is a slow-burn, ang- angry thing. Um, and, and I want to see if you all catch it. That, that's, that's why I wanted to pick it. It's by Wayne Green. Sometimes he's an okay writer. Sometimes he says that downtown Tulsa is outside of the IDL, and I want to throw him into the Arkansas with... I, has he metaphorically hold on. Um, has he written an extensive article about what's worse in downtown paying for parking or finding parking because they did a whole like multi-series section yeah. that was about the problems parking in downtown and it was he, spicy he might he might have been that one that would be like in his up his alley um he's like their main editorial editor um, yeah, he he's, he edits the editorials. Um, but this I is mean, called... it already says by Wayne Green editorial pages editor. So yes, holy yes. shit. Um, this is called "We've Tried the Carrot Approach to School Consolidation, but neither Drew Edmondson nor Kevin Stitt is willing to reach for a stick." Which, in the context of education, is kind of dark to say we should hit people with sticks. Uh, just to start it off, um, this is published on October fifth, updated on the seventh. And so he starts. Drew Edmondson and Kevin Stitt disagree on a lot of things, but one of those is in school consolidation. Neither one seems ready to champion it. 
Edmondson, the Democratic candidate for governor, says the decision to consolidate the state's balkanized school district should be left to local school boards. He left the door open to offering vague incentives to school districts to make that choice, but not much else. Hold on. I'm just... What, just hold on. Comparing rural school districts to the Balkans is dark, to say the least. But, like, <laughs> with, with, with the background of school shootings, maybe not the most um, politically correct thing to say. <laughs> okay, Balkanized has taken on a broader term, but now I'm just thinking of, like, somebody yelling and, like... Somebody busting into a school and yelling like Serbia, the Tokyo, and like like smart Kosovo or something, and like shooting up a school. And I'm like, man, that, that actually kind of sounds like the '90s in in the Balkans. Shit, that that probably happened at some point. Um, a, a deep Balkan cut for everybody. If you know Serbia to Tokyo, like shout out to you. All the way to Milwaukee as well. Um, no one will know that. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, continuing. Stitt, the Republican candidate, says about the same thing. Both probably fear that talking about school consolidation would be political poison in rural Oklahoma, and they're probably right. So, wait, can we stop the article right here? Yes. Oh, that's it? That's all? Right? They're, pro- they're probably right. But yeah, there's more. Yeah. Number one, it's like, that should tell you everything. They shouldn't do it. Um, it's probably not a good thing to do school consolidation if... Um, the communities it would affect are like, this is utterly terrible and bad. Um, and with the six political incumbents that have already been ousted by the Republican Party for doing this. Yeah, for pushing, for changing, uh, for, for hmm, I don't know. Um, I'd want to see what they do to you, good old Bert, though. Well, you'd get some great Sesame Street mailers. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You would. I want him to come out for it just because then he'll lose. And I'm not, I'm not... I, I will not endorse Drew Edmondson. I refuse to do that, but I definitely don't want Kevin Stitt to be our next governor. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. Let's see let's see if he can do it. Um, if he has the nuts to come out and ruin his political career. Um, he might. <laughs> he might. I hope he does. Democrats when, in Oklahoma are fun because, like you said, they're all kind of like Joe Manchin. But Joe Manchin, like Oklahoma Democrats, is also kind of off the rails. And they're a little – I think it's what engenders our deep, passionate love for people – currently under uh, conspiracy to commit murder charges and being held without bond. Um, Joe Exotic, we're still out here. Hashtag free Exotic. Free Joe (laughs) Exotic. He pled not guilty. He pled not guilty. Okay, good. Good, my boy. Okay. Write him a letter. Maybe send him, I don't know, a cake with a file in it. I'm sure he'll find some way to do something with that. Mail mail him a condom and rolling papers branded with your name like he did to get your vote. You know, return the favor. Actually, yeah. Return the favor. You're right. Do that. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Definitely committed that conspiracy, though. I'm not taking I'm, I'm agnostic on the topic. I, I don't know. You're agnostic? You, you to... believe in a higher power on the topic? No, I'm saying I don't, I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> You're though. ambivalent have... on the topic? Yes. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's what that means, Adam. Ambinovalent? God damn it. Okay, back to the article. Back to Wayne Green. Um, But unless the state's next chief executive pushes for school consolidation, it isn't going to happen, and that would be a shame. The victims of an action would be the children of rural Oklahoma. (coughs) Now, eh, I'm willing to entertain it. I'm willing to entertain it, but I want to go through his argument so we can pick apart why actually that's the most horseshit thing you could say and why if you had maybe a different vision for society... 
uh, you wouldn't have to be this kind of chicken shit person that uh, Wayne Green is being right now. Um, in a recent report, right-sizing Oklahoma districts, the dean of the University of Central Oklahoma College of Education and Professional Studies recommends consolidating some 391 school districts with enrollments below 1,000. The Oklahoman recently reported. Okay, I, I, hold on, hold on. I, I just want to pause right here for all of our listeners out there. Um, I want to note the immediate difference between the Tulsa world and the Oklahoman in that the Oklahoman has never cited anything, much less begun their argument <laughs> with a citation to an <laughs> academic journal published in the state, which I do give credit to, and they gave a well, link. They have a link. Published, oh, my God. The, the, the university oh, I that forgot that doesn't work without the reverb. No, it doesn't. Um, but, so, he keeps talking. He's, he's laying out the argument. The Tulsa world actually understands how to do that. Good stuff. Um, he continues. The state has three times the number of districts found in most states with comparable numbers of students, report author James um, Michelle says. The Oklahoman reports that Oklahoma school districts average 1,141 students. The national average is 3,736. If the state decreased the number of districts to 200 with an average superintendent salary of $150,000, the state would save nearly $27 million, Matchell oh, says. God, wait, are we wait, still wait, on the wait, superintendent wait, shit? Wait, 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 Parker, wait. Okay. Frankly, in the Oklahoma public school budget, $27 million is chicken feed. Last year, the legislature paid it, passed a teacher pay raise averaging uh, $6,100, and it cost more than 10 times that much. There's no reason to do it for that much money, but there's plenty of good reason to do it. So even here, Wayne Green is better because the Oklahoman would say, it would say $27 million. Oh, my God, there's just so much waste, 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 waste. And instead, Wayne Green does the thing of saying, actually, there is no economic reason to do that. That's just stupid. It is irrelevant. That amount of money. In it. So Wayne Green, so he's as you said, Adam, so doing he's a good job. Well, no, so he, except for the fact that he's contradicted his own fucking argument twice to where we have to do literally no work for this article. No, 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 no. We're, we're going to have to do work There's here There's a but at the, at the end of that sentence, Parker. Oh. Yeah. What he says, there, but there's plenty of good reason to do it. So he says, here's the deal. I want to protect the children of rural Oklahoma. How do we do that? Well, look at this. We could cut this down, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, well, that's actually chicken shit. He, he, when he says chicken feed, he means chicken shit. We all know that. Let's, let's just be honest. Um, this is Oklahoma. Here's where he gets we to the part that's super shitty. Um, we need to consolidate schools because it opens up educational opportunities to children. No. This is where he starts to make his argument. We don't need to do that. We just need to put more money in education. The end. That's it. That we, we could just not write this article. We could so, just say, actually, um, no, we just need to spend more money on education. He also just ignores, you know, the blatant expansion of classroom sizes and, you know, by just stuffing more kids in fewer buildings, they get more educational opportunities. Yeah, like that's a big problem. These schools would have, you know, they would have to spend a lot of money updating their buildings. They already have that problem. Blah, blah, blah. There's so many problems with this. But this fundamentally, article is fucking rancid. Yeah, no, it's really gross. Um, so let's keep reading a bit because uh, there are a lot of things to say about this. 
In general, small schools lack the economies of scale needed to fund calculus and physics classes, AP and band programs, and many other things that rural children deserve as much as their city cousins. So spend so money when, to get them those things. Yeah. When Green says this, that's fine. 100% mm. rural children deserve the, the, the quality of education that you and I got, Parker. Adam, you should have gotten that too, just, just because I you're did. rural. I went to a 5A school. It. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, but you didn't go to a 5A school in your hometown, did you? Well, no, there were... The, the, the school that was closest to me was basically on fire, but I don't blame the teachers or the, the school as no. much as I blame the state. Yeah, it was a funding problem, and that school would have been a perfectly acceptable But they still had a band and AP programs and calculus and physics, and they graduated about 60 people. It was a yeah, little 2A and- school. Hey, so did Adair. Adair had all those things. I took my first ACT in, in, at Adair, actually, in their high school. They actually have and a pretty good would, high school now. They've gotten rebuilt a little bit. It would not be a problem whatsoever. And Adair is Adair County is one of the poorest places in the U.S. Still, well, in Adair County has the lowest life expectancy in the U.S. And if we just dump money in them from the state education budget, ended ad valorem taxes, and made it come all from Oklahoma City and all equal for every single student, it wouldn't be a problem. We could do that. We could up the funding, and and this whole article would be useless. And he could be making that argument. But here's the argument he's making. He's saying small schools, just you know, they can't do it. Sorry, it, it's not going to work. Um, he keeps going. Small rural school districts able to offer 21st century educations to their children should be left alone to do it, but most can't. Paralyzed by the fear that closing the schools will kill the community, local leaders do nothing. Paralyzed by the fear of losing those votes, the candidates for governor aren't willing to force the issue. Now, what I think is important here is that first sentence. Closing the school might kill the community. Like, having a school district like that where you get extra money in from the state is a good way to keep your community around. And the teachers that are getting paid good money in those communities help support the other stuff around the area that otherwise wouldn't be there. So actually... For every every single person on the left that says stuff like gentrification is bad, you should be able to live in the community you grow up in, we actually have a method to do that in Oklahoma for rural communities. It's really easy. It's called dumping a ton more money in education. You get more jobs. You get better infrastructure to support that education. You have more money to spend on other things in the community because closing schools, like closing rural hospitals, does kill communities. What Wayne Green is saying is the exact same thing that people say to to people in, is the the kind of pull up your pants go get a job where there's a fucking job you idiot or oh you can't afford the rent in your neighborhood you should fucking move it's this conservative horseshit where it says instead of society saying you deserve to live here if you want to live here because it's where you grew up we don't want to ruin that for you instead it's saying no fuck you, you, you we should use keeping your kids from being educated to force you to move like think about how fucked up that argument is you know it's so dark it is so dark and this is coming from one of oklahoma's like rare liberal voices in the news media you know it's insane um uh, i mean yeah but we're gonna, i think we're gonna i think to... i think one of the other things that's worth mentioning here is that um <clears throat> schools in these communities are one of the remaining focal points of the community i mean for whatever you know whatever right-winger would want to call what I'm about to say, cultural Marxism, uh, you know, the fact is, is that in the 21st century, our culture has been incredibly broken down and individualized, which like 
on one hand is super great because I can go on the internet and like find a subreddit for the TV show I'm into and like read threads about it. And cause like none of you guys watch the shows I like. And so like, that's super cool. But like the destruction of cultural, like physical community, cultural centers uh, that, you know, historically things like churches, markets, um, you know, bars, sporting events, schools, um, those things have always been touchstones. And so in these communities where so many of them have been broken down or just not incentivized, I mean, there's no incentive to have a marketplace when you've got a Walmart and no incentive to go, you know, do something outside when you can just watch Netflix for 30 hours. And so the school in a lot of these communities is the only place that still has you know, not just the embedded structural validating mechanisms of procedure, but also the opportunities and, I mean, just the ecosystem of community that so many of these places have been destroyed, you know, have been deprived of. And so it, it becomes... And, and it's important to say they have that because it's 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 a non-market institution. Yo. Education in the U.S. is free and available to every resident under the age of 18. And that's a non-market institution, and the state takes up that responsibility. The state representing society takes up that responsibility to say, these children deserve this. They get it. It's not something that we're going to leave up to the forces of capital, to the forces of profit. We're going to just do it. And what that does is create community. It's amazing. Every Friday, people go watch football games in city high schools, in suburban high schools, and in rural high schools, and it does produce community like that. And we should think about that when we talk about killing the community by closing schools or something. So keep going. Um, I'm going to keep going, yeah. Um, the state has been incentivizing school consolidation since at least 1990, and we still have more than 500 school districts. The carrot hasn't worked. It's time for someone to get a stick. Boo! Wait, don't use wait. cliches in your writing. I know, I know, I, I, I know it's going to get worse, but boo, don't <laughs> use cliches in your writing. Here's the brutal truth. You can't keep a dead community alive by keeping a substandard school open. That makes children hostage to a long, sad funeral. Now, what, what Green here is doing is saying you can't fund them. Sorry, you got you to gotta close fucking, you got to shut down. I don't know. Fairfax got hit by a tornado. So maybe it's not the best example, but, but no hey more Fairfax, Salina, Jay. No more, yeah. I, no, I more, no more Disney, no more Grove, no well, more any of Disney these places. Disney does got 200 people. There's no school there. They barely <laughs> keep the fucking lights in the post office on my man. But I mean, that's the thing he's saying. And, and, and he's right. You can't keep a dead community alive by keeping a substandard school open, but there's no reason you couldn't have a super high quality high-end school located in some podunk-ass little town in rural Oklahoma. You can do that. You just have to pay for it. And, and you, it's not even that it's not even that is. different anymore than providing it to an urban school. You know, if you if you buy new basketball equipment for the school or new band equipment or new computers or new science equipment, guess what? The trucking company gets the fucking address and puts it in their GPS and whether or not it's in the city or in the rural area, they go and they drive drive and they back in and they unload the shit and then they take it inside. And guess what? 
construction workers do the same shit. And guess what? Some of them live in those rural communities and by incentivizing construction on those buildings, those communities, and good educations within those communities, you can revitalize those communities, turn them into economically sound and valid communities, and actually revitalize these areas. And rather than having everyone live in a fucking suburb or goddamn the fucking city. Dude, the yeah. whole state lives in just Oklahoma City and Tulsa. That's it. And we're, I mean, then no. It's, it's true. Two-thirds of Oklahoma live in essentially Oklahoma City or Tulsa, and that's fine. If people want to do that, that's okay. But we shouldn't force them. We shouldn't say, here's the, here's the brutal truth. We're going to kill your community, and we're going to do it by holding your children hostage. Because that's what's actually happening. Is He's saying we should tell these rural communities – you don't get to have your school district that helps, that brings much needed money into your community to make sure that the, the restaurant stays open, to make sure the bar stays open, to make sure the grocery store stays open. You don't get that anymore. He's basically saying the state should do what Walmart does whenever it shows up in a community, drives out the mom and pop store, and then says, that's it, no more community, you're gone. He's saying the state government should go destroy rural Oklahoma. And it's disgusting to hold Oklahoma children over the fire like that and say, here's the deal. Ma, ma, ma. We know where the money is in this state. We know who to take it from and we know where to spend it to keep this from being a problem. Yeah. Well, finish her out. Drew Edmondson says he's the education loving candidate with the state government experience to get things done. Kevin Stitt says he'll use the cold hard eye of a businessman to fix what's been broken for too long and elevate Oklahoma schools. But neither is willing to step up on this critical issue meaning we're likely to look around in four years and see the state still struggling along with more than 500 school districts, most of which aren't up to the task of educating their students. Beautiful, oh. independent, rural, gorgeous. I mean, I mean, you're talking about some of the most absolutely breathtaking landscape in the United States of, uh, the United States of America. And I'm not even saying that sarcastically. I know you were about to curse and yell at people, but I, I want to bring this on a, a solid, happy note, and that is that... You know, uh, those places are industrious and just as unique as anywhere else on the planet and just as deserving of, you know, funding and respect as anywhere else, especially the city. But anyway, that's no, my and, I mean, it's and you're right. You know, you're right. I'm I'm 100 percent fine with the state government taking the carrot approach and saying there are some efficiencies we can do here, sure, but we're going to leave that up to you, community, if you want to do it. And there's a reason they haven't done it, and it's because these communities wouldn't exist. And Wayne Green is saying, fuck you, you, you shouldn't have a right to exist. And it, it grinds my goddamn gears in a way a lot more than just like the Oklahoman being like, her, her we're racist, you know? Because mm -hmm. at least at least they're honest about being pieces of shit. Instead of doing this thing where it's like we gotta take care of the children by destroying their home. Fuck you. Alright, <sighs> well why don't you tell us what you gotta tell us and we'll get out of here for the evening. Yeah, um I just wanted to tell everybody I went and helped the Solidarity through Food Kitchen on Friday, deliver about thirty meals to the homeless in Tulsa. Uh, it was super awesome. Super happy I got to do that. You all got to keep checking their Facebook face page and stuff about that because I only did that because they like sent out things saying, hey, could somebody come help us do that? Like, 
on Thursday or something, and I was like, hell yeah, I can. So go watch them. They're super awesome. It's really a great time. And um, some people that weren't going to eat got to eat because I did that, and it was it was really fulfilling. Everybody should be doing that kind of stuff. It's really dope, uh, and it's a great organization. So go check them out, guys. Well, as always, you can check us out at Red Star Over OK on Twitter. Our subreddit is our Red Star Over Oklahoma. You can listen on SoundCloud and iTunes. Any questions, comments, complaints? I want to hear some complaints about my lizard talk this week because I felt like I really hit my stride. I'm going to be honest. I might have to start my own private show. Uh, if we ever get a Patreon going, um, I will definitely put up as many uh, uh, clips of me talking about lizards as people are willing to give me money for. Um, but you can do that all over at redstaroveroke@gmail.com. Of course, tell your friends about us. Subscribe, rate us five stars on iTunes. Thank you very much, guys. See you next week. Fuck Mike Stoops. Bye. <laughs>